0: Join me on my mission to create a new tomorrow as I chat with industry experts, elite athletes, thought leaders, and government officials about how we activate our vision for a better world. We may agree and we may disagree, but I'm not backing down. I'm Ari Gronich, and this is Create a New Tomorrow Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Create A New Tomorrow. I'm your host Ari Gronich and today I have with me Mark Anthony King and Melody Garcia. It is a double feature for y'all. Mark Anthony is a serial entrepreneur, master of storytelling, multimedia persona, and a global leader with a focus on the kingdom of humanitarian uh, impact. Kingdom, humanitarian impact. Uh, His business handlings include a mastery in nutrition, Health for optimization of overall wellness and well being, a master, a practitioner in NLP, strategic interventions, um, emotional intelligence, et cetera. His partner, Melody, is part of the global piece uh, Let's Talk with 35 countries, handling co leads of UNICEF, Unite uh, Orlando, and International Multimedia Handling. They're about to launch their Soul Script, which is a podcast, media column, and TV show. Is that like a breathful? <laughs>
1: just, a pinch. just a pinch. And that was the short form bio.
2: That was the I, I, don't, I don't know about bio. you, but that, that excited me. you?
0: <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I've been told that I'm going to be in people's pockets so that when anybody asks them what they do for a living, they just pull me out. And like, this is what Ari says. <laughs> So why don't you guys kind of tell a little bit about yourselves. Mark, I talked to Melody before, so I'm gonna let you get started. Yeah. Tell a little bit about yourself. Why am I talking to you? What is it that you're doing that's gonna help create a new tomorrow? And uh, you know, let's get
2: going. All right, so my name is Mark Anthony King. Uh, As far as why you're talking to me, you can thank Melody Garcia for that, for putting us into, into contact. Uh, you know, I full disclosure, full transparency. I didn't know the name of the show until right now. And I, I absolutely love that. You know, we live, we live in a, in an age where can I be candid or do I have to be like super politically correct here?
0: No, there, there's no political correctness allowed. Okay. Perfect. No, no, (laughs) you're not allowed to uh, censor yourself at all.
2: All right so we we live in an in an age where unfortunately the the leaders and and leaders and the trailblazers in the world are just horribly narcissistic and the things that the you know the the things that that they're doing and the the, the things that they pride themselves on and, and what's important it's it's all self-glorification at the end of the day you know so you asked what, what it is that we're doing to make a better tomorrow. Uh, again, speaking truthfully, we have the audacity to put God first and put service to humanity second. And that's a, that's an interesting concept for a multitude of reasons, you know, and, and I'm not going to get into religious discussions or religious debates, but my greatest mentor, Jesus Christ said, that the two things that we should do in this world in, in order, it's service to God and then service to humanity. And somehow, Melody says it. she echoes it best. When you put God first and humanity second, God finds a way of putting you first. You know, I never thought in a million years that I'd be doing the things that I'm doing now. It's, it's I didn't plan for it. And when it started happening, I asked myself, uh... No disrespect, but are you sure, God, that I'm the right person to be doing this? Because it was never on the plan, you know. And 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 we become so myopic in, in our desires and we become so, so like single-minded and, and tunnel vision in terms of what it is that we want, but ultimately at the end of the day, that might not be in alignment with what God wants for us, you know. And and when we surrender in that regard, we allow him to place us where he wants us. The, the impact that we make, it's not self-serving. It's not self-glorifying. It's all to glorify him. And what better way to glorify him than, than actually doing something to create a better tomorrow? Not hypothetically, not conditionally, but literally. And long, long story short, short story long at this point, I'm sure, we, we're now in a position where we're handling the the and and I, I say this humbly, and I say this with with so much gratitude in my heart, the welfare of thirty six different nations across the world. you know and and when I say welfare, I'm talking about hygiene products, I'm talking handling internally displaced people's uh, orphans, preserving pygmy cultures, uh, teaching children about their rights, teaching women about their rights, women's empowerment agriculture, bringing in food, bringing in clean water, bringing in infrastructure into incredibly remote areas. Uh, you know these are these are responsibilities that that I don't take lightly and one of my greatest pleasures aside from talking about God and how amazing God is and how amazing that woman is right there on the screen underneath me here, um, is is doing what I can, everything I can. You know, Melody has an amazing prayer that says, "God use all my gifts, talents, and anointings, and maximize everything that You gave me, so that I can make the world better and help people. You know, help me, help them." Being able to use that platform to talk about what it is that we're doing and who we're helping is is become the greatest joy of my life at this point.
0: Cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you a little bit. So, yeah, please, I was I was rambling at that point. <laughs> you might not know this about me, but I'm a very non religious person, very spiritual person. Uh I've studied pretty much most of the religions in the world, like as, at a young age. And so yeah. I was uh you know nine years old and I was well, I was in Hebrew school from the time I was like five, and then I started when I was nine practicing Buddhism. And, and uh, through Buddhism, I met uh, my girlfriend who lived on a reservation and I started practicing and studying Indian way uh, yeah. and uh, native way. And from there, I ended up studying Druidism and the Quran. And I kind of just love studying religions in yeah. general, but I'm, I, I, I don't find myself um, in the same kind of state that you find yourself in, right, as far as like, having a specific and direct person that I think I'm speaking to. And so I just want to, I want to open this up, because the things that you're doing are amazing. Some people who are listening to this show are not going to resonate with the words that you're using as far as God, kingdom, king, you know, those kinds of things, they might resonate with the word source, they might resonate with the word, universal truth. They might resonate with a lot of other things other than those words. And I don't want them to get turned off to the things that you're doing because of the words that you're using, right? And so I just wanted to emphasize that the things you're doing are amazing. To me, they have nothing to do with anything other than what's in your heart and your soul, not so much a higher being that you're answering to and so i have a question for you yeah the question is is serving god serving humanity itself because if we watch or listen to the scriptures that you talk about in Mm -hmm. the bible there's a lot of stuff that says that we are in the likeness of god so by serving humanity are we not serving god
2: i would say it all depends on the intention right because Mm, it's it's uh, and and i I used to fall under this category many moons ago where you know i wanted to be seen and I, i wanted to be praised for all the good works that i was doing so at the end of the day you know it wasn't about god and it wasn't about humanity it was about mark anthony king's ego and 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 that intention is 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 everything it's relative but it's everything you know so i would say yes if your intention is pure and not self-glorifying
0: awesome melody you're up all right
1: what did you want me to cover everything about me
0: i, talk about <laughs> why it is, I should just let mark ramble on <laughs> why you're why you're helping to create a new tomorrow today
1: well so many platforms, we talked about UNICEF as one of the handlings, you know, um, back in 2016, I decided to go with the, what is the world's largest children organization that's known, and then recreate that in local Orlando, what was UNICEF? We live in a world that keeps basically putting up the message, let's leave a better planet for our children, let's leave a better planet for our children, well, let's, let's use some common sense, the planet won't resolve its own problems without better leaders. You know, a lot of the handlings that I have along with Mark as coaches, I'm, I'm one of the few certified PNA coaches in the world. What does that mean? Psychoneuroactualization, what does that mean? Maximizing the human potential. One of my the person that certified me in this is Dr. Steve Mariboli, one of the top behavioral scientists in the world. Right. And let's pare it down to simplicity here. A lot of adults' root cause problems can be traced back to their childhood. We call it childhood trauma. And a lot of that from abandonment issues, abuse issues, you name it, that shapes them to who they become in the adult stage. So my genius basically said, well, then let's leave better plant. Let's leave better children for our planet. If I can impact at those young foundations, whether whatever their social, economic, cultural, whatever status background is and show them what is love, what is fairness, what is equality. What is not having all those boundaries that's been imposed almost impossibly by the adults, by the environment they live in, then we can be better leaders for tomorrow. That started with that, um, you know, and, and giving sensitivity to your audience, uh, but echoing Mark's sentiments where again, heart-centered servant leadership, right? right? I was blessed with the opportunity to not contain it in just representing 190 countries. My journey spoke about the first time I decided to say, use me to help them, not to glorify Melody. That very first event brought on impacting and saving over 20,000 lives halfway around the world, which is a lot more than what people can ever dream of in their life, collectively. So I decided, okay, well, you know, I did, that was my one all be all, but God had different plan. That was just my beginning came UNICEF and then he didn't contain, and I the passion, the purpose, once you truly have what Mark has is a clarity of his purpose and impact. What is his life legacy message? You know, it's not just about words because as he beautifully puts it, beautiful words aren't always true and the truth isn't always beautiful, right? And and that's a powerful statement to make, lived authentically. It went from, well, didn't stop there. When we tap into the gifts that we have, Talents, gifts, anointing, whatever you want to call it. I discovered I have this love of passion for writing. Well, didn't stop there. All of a sudden, that little column became a well-known column in many nations and started winning awards for it. So now I'm a columnist for three international magazines that has anywhere from 11 countries to 74 countries reached. But it didn't stop there, right? Comes global peace, let's talk, that literally... It got handed to myself and Mark to now lead 36 countries. The, the handlings we have are massive.
0: All right. Can but you that's the
1: purpose we That's
0: exactly the global peace. Sure.
1: Let's talk. Go ahead, Mark. Um, I'll let Mark lead that and then I'll add whatever you're missing as far as Global Peace Let's Talk.
2: So <clears throat> Global Peace Let's Talk is an organization that was was founded by somebody who's become a like a, a sister, dear friend, mother figure to Melody and myself she again had had the courage and the audacity to say yes and to do something that shouldn't have worked that seemed far-fetched that seemed insane at the time and through sheer determination through sheer love and compassion she has created this this organization that as as it stands as of right now is in 36 different countries and has Mel, what is he? How many members did we just recently add, like as of not too long ago?
1: So we just added an additional 35,000 members. Uh, what Global Peace Let's Talk and it, its early concept, very simple because the founders in her 70s in the UK, was just to spread peace. Unknowingly, that, that intention brought on everything that needed to line up. And in 10 months, Ari, this is just a 10 month old foundation, nonprofit, 10 months, we're in 36 countries. It's, it's incredible, it's almost unbelievable. And unless you're with us in those meetings, we are meetings with politicians, you know, from different countries. We are in meetings with leaders, entrepreneurs, but what really touches us is when we hear from people on the ground, what they are going through, what the media doesn't cover. This is why Mark and I have the audacity to speak what is true, right, right? right? How are we changing a better better tomorrow? When we hear people from Cameroon, Africa, being haunted down worse than animals and being slaughtered at that. When we're hearing about children trying, you know, of, of ground workers saving children that have been violently you, know, violently, you know, assaulted. And all they're asking for, Ari, is a piece of paper and crayon so they can continue with art therapy. Mm-hmm. This is yeah art therapy
2: soccer ball so that they can kick it around
1: right yeah just
0: so, so what exactly does the foundation do so, so we
1: yeah so we support this, the, like, what's this so we support we support the 17 sustainable goals of the United Nations which everybody can Google that part but then we we we're, it's not only supporting with message so for example to fight famine we have an agricultural program that literally. Provides food on the ground, and then not only do that, but also somehow create an entrepreneurship program so that people are sustain uh, sustaining their livelihood.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. bringing bringing repeatable, scalable, sustainable infrastructure into these into these impoverished areas.
0: Cool question. Mm-hmm. How much new technology is being used, and how much old technology is being used in what you're bringing? So things like for agriculture. Um, how much soil are you teaching or creating soil garden versus hydroponic in warehouse and things like that?
2: So currently, cur- you know, that, is, that is the goal. The goal is, is bringing technology into the, into the equation because I, I always found it curious, you know, we, we invest so much money into smartphones, right? Uh, smartphones cost over a thousand dollars today. We, we, I mean, technologies is, is growing at such a rapid pace. And, and as, as humanity, we're evolving with it in every area of our life, except agriculture, agricultural practices are still like 60 years old, and we're still implementing them today on mass, right? To me, it makes no sense. Why would you allocate so much resources to a phone when a phone you can't eat a phone? Unless you're David Blaine, I'm sure he's eaten a bunch of iPhones in his career, but <laughs> you know you can't eat a phone. So, so the the whole goal is eventually to make sure that we are leveraging as much techno- technological advances and applying that to where we're growing food. But currently, I mean, it, it is we're, we're doing what we're doing in America um, at this point. Where what we're doing now is though we have this this really big parcel of land that we just acquired. We're going to use that to uh, create an agricultural academy where we physically matriculate students and we teach them how to grow food. We, we have an onsite really, really large garden growing, you know, things, things that grow well in certain parts of Africa like uh, yucca and sweet potatoes, potatoes, cabbage, moringa. Um, and, and again, taking those, those products and then uh, selling them and using that to create infrastructure within, within the community in addition to um, online academies, because we're looking at opening up these schools in different parts of the world. But right now we're looking at, um, is it Botswana? No, mm-hmm. where the first school is gonna be open, yeah. Yeah. Botswana? Yeah.
1: Botswana, Africa. And then there's, we've also got... Um,
2: we have we have a land in Kenya now as well, right?
1: Yeah, but we've also got Jamaica uh, with their initiatives. Ah. So, and and you, know, you, you talked about agriculture and um, technology. Right, So that's part of one of our um, contacts in a different country is helping us bring it to a level where at least we can use modern technology to expedite some of these initiatives. Um, We are actually also creating new programs that bridges gaps instead of that whole stay in your lane uh, message that we talked about. Part of that is creating like a child ambassador program that will connect children around the world that shows leadership. Remember, I, I don't know, Ari, were you ever, were you, ha- did you have some knowledge of old pen pal style where you make friends by
0: <laughs> writing yeah, I, letters? I, I'm an old fogey at this. <laughs> <Is it Grace>? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, do you, but do you remember when we used to write friends from a different country and how excited we were to get that, that letter?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, pen pals, it's, pen pals is a, was a big thing nowadays. It's, you know, Facebook, WhatsApp. Facebook. And-
1: but but there is so much mystery and, and and just excitement when you get that letter stamped from a different country and they send you pictures. It's recreating that in in the newer modern version of child ambassadorships, but we're looking specifically for for children that have demonstrated leadership and a global thinking. right? What does that create? Peace. What does that create collaboration over competition?
2: culture
0: right mm-hmm. So I have uh, I have a good friend who, has a nonprofit and it's Mm -hmm. called uh, Motivational Missions. They do a lot of child trafficking Mm -hmm. work and education, but they also travel to like the worst places on the planet and do um, talks in Mm -hmm. prisons in like South America and stuff like that, Belize and Dominican Republic and all over South America, they do these motivational missions to help with child trafficking is do you guys as part of what you do team up with other nonprofits and other organizations that are doing good, or are you looking for people to just join in on what your thing is?
1: Now we're actually in collaboration mode, but we are highly vetting any type of partnerships or invitations or collaborations because of, you know, unfortunately in, in my walk with UNICEF, Right as well. I've done a lot of call to action against human trafficking and child trafficking, and can spit out statistics faster than a lot of people can. And okay. just the, in just the platform of trafficking, which is again, you right. know, the We're silent worldwide. pandemic.
0: Statistics.
1: Oh yeah. Well, the statistics are are this: it's a one hundred fifty-two billion dollar industry, well funded, that has over four forty million victims worldwide. Over five-
2: for, for the you for the viewers, she did say billion with a B
1: would it be and it and child trafficking right now is over 5.4 million children million are being trafficked right here in florida where i live florida's the third highest state reported when it comes to trafficking right people and and this is just you know a, a sideline educational piece for any adults parents aunts grandmothers you name it anybody that has an association with a child watch Anything that has to do with their social media handlings, from Snapchat to TikTok to Instagram, because a lot of traffickers are masked as predators, masked as other children or teenagers, and people don't think about this. That that lures them because there's commonality. Parents, if you have GPS tracking devices on your phone, especially when it comes to Instagram, social media, turn it off. All you're doing is literally giving these people triangulation of your activities. In fact, here's, here's one thing that, because we live in a social media world of posting everything that has to do with your children and everything. I would encourage you to really restrict that and take, and you know, what are, what are you promoting? Why are you showing your children all the time? Yes, we love we love their accomplishments, but you have no idea who's actually looking at your materials.
2: And We we happen to know personally um, individuals who have been trafficked by way of Facebook who found themselves sold into human trafficking because they began chatting with somebody on, on Facebook and, and within a few months, um, this individual was, was sold to a, a pimp.
0: Yeah. It's, it's amazing. The craziness that, that is happening um, right out in the open. And Mm -hmm. the fact that people aren't recognizing what's right in front of their faces is kind of like, is is very telling. Mm -hmm. um, So one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys on is because you're actually doing the Mm -hmm. things that most people are talking about doing, right? Mm -hmm. So I have this saying, and the saying is, we wanna stop gathering to complain and start Mm -hmm. collaborating to succeed and collaboration is the main part of that we want to collaborate for results right so how do you guys collaborate you've been collaborating with governments i want i want to get like a picture of what that looks like Mm -hmm. so that people who are feeling like that's just too big for them to be able to do. I could never meet with a politician. I could never meet with a government official, right? So they could get an idea that this isn't like a big deal. They're just human beings like us, right?
1: It's not. So for example, and then I'll let Mark um, also explain this. For example, my work with UNICEF Unite Orlando, it's an advocacy team, you know, with with beautiful and and, and intelligent um, members and leaders. However, what we start is just knowing, it starts with educating yourself, what are the issues, right? What are the root causes? When we do advocacy, for example, um, you know, this is my fifth year advocacy. Mark had the honor of actually leading part of the advocacy this year. It literally was, was meeting with members of, of the U.S. Congress, right, and humanizing the statistics that they see by story shares. Everybody has a story. That is the one thing that that literally ties humanity is through story shares. But we, we tell stories. And then with that comes the other platforms that we represent. I'm sure people can tell stories. That's what they call their friends for. It starts as simple as that you know, it doesn't have to be this, oh my goodness, we're meeting with this center from a different country. That's a whole different global thing. But it starts with A, let's educate ourselves. B, how can you, you know, for those that are interested, whether it be UNICEF, whether it be Global Peace Let's Talk, I'll drop our email here on the link on how they can connect with us and to learn more. But it's it's, it's really simple. It starts with the desire to make a difference.
0: Right. My, my thing is, what I see is that the barriers of fear people have Mm -hmm. stop them from being able to do the things that they're complaining about so for instance um, in my town here in in florida every time a politician runs for office it seems like the biggest deal is the roads and the potholes (laughs) it's like the potholes the potholes the potholes (laughs) you're definitely not in
1: orlando that's not in orlando
0: right (laughs) closer to the beach but it's like this is this is a big a big deal for people the roads the roads the roads right yeah the things that are really important like we have the river you know the indian indian river i mean Mm -hmm. it's being completely polluted we have right near an air force base and um the space center and all that so we see all of the environmental damage but the issue is the potholes so Mm -hmm. how can people get away from see i think that people are going after the potholes because they think it's something that they have control over and i don't think that they think that they have control over the environment and the policies for the environment or agriculture, the policies for agriculture, the policies for human trafficking. I don't think, I think that that feels too big for somebody. And mm-hmm. so they, <clears throat> they go after the potholes. What do You think?
2: I, I'm so happy that this isn't censored here. <laughs> I, you know, absolutely I I hear I hear and I I appreciate what you're saying it's on the journey I I think we all experience the same thing where I want to make a change but I don't know where to start I want to help animals but do I join PETA do I join the ASPCA do I join the humane society and you kind of sort of get so bogged down in in the variety that you have you know it's like You have that that phenomena that occurs where you have ten thousand channels, but there's nothing to watch. Mm -hmm. So a big a big part is just being decisive and just making a decision. It doesn't have to be the perfect decision at the end of the day. If you choose the ASPCA and you don't like it, you learn something. You contributed, then you can move on to the Humane Society, right? Because you got an education. So education. Be decisive and get an education and use it accordingly. You know, and and in terms of In terms of the pothole, Melody and I say, have the audacity to care about humanity more than you care about yourself. You look at the people who've who've created the greatest change, people who we admire, who we love, who we try to emulate, like Mother Teresa, a poor little Indian woman from Calcutta who didn't have a whole heck of a lot of money. And yet every single world leader was at her funeral and she died. Why is that? She wasn't worried about the potholes. She wasn't worried about how the potholes inconvenienced her journey. She wasn't worried about how the potholes affected her rims or her suspension or her commute. She had the audacity to care about other people who never even knew she existed, who would never even know she existed, care about them more than she cared about herself. You know, there, there's something to be said about experiencing compassion. Compassion means, means I understand I empathize where you're coming from, and, and it hurts me to the degree that I'm willing to help you. That's why I'm not an advocate of complaining. Why? Because complaining eases pressure. Why, why is it that a whole bunch of people can gather together at an event, complain, accomplish nothing, but they feel good at the end of the day?
0: You mean like every protest I've ever seen? Yeah. Yes. I'm just saying, every protest I've ever seen, and especially what happened last year, last summer, Mm -hmm. especially what happened last summer, was letting off the steam. It's it's a pressure cooker, right? So here's my question to you then. We don't want to let off the steam. We don't want to let off the pressure. What do we do instead of that? Because if we're in a pressure cooker, at some point, the pressure's either going to get too big and it's going to blow up or we're going to let it off slowly, you know, or we're going to like protest and create some violence and let it out that way. So what is, what is your solution? I I know you're an NLP master, so you got to have something
2: when, and we're going to (laughs) use, we're going to use the pressure cooker analogy. So what, what happens to anybody who's ever used a pressure cooker? If you open the pressure cooker right away, it explodes. Literally, it explodes. But what happens when you take that little nozzle and you just turn it sideways? You have a consistent stream of of pressure. I don't believe in keeping everything bottled up. I believe in taking what would have otherwise resulted in an explosion and channeling it into a consistent stream. What that stream looks like, that depends on, on how how much you're willing to care for humanity. That, that depends on how how far you're willing to go to solve a problem. That depends on how, how, how resourceful you're willing to be. You know, I know that for myself and, and for Melody, that obviously, you know, we were in, in Orlando and, and basically during, uh, between the months of October and, and mid-January, we're just heavy. That That is when UNICEF is in its heaviest humanitarian work. You know, all you got to do is, is drive around a uh, certain parts of, of your town and you look at the living conditions of people. That should break your heart, but it should anger you. It should anger you to a point where you don't post on Facebook about it and ease the pressure. You find out how you can actually help. You know, Melanie and I were, were in a trailer park called, oh, goodness. What's it called? The Happy Happy Oaks? Something, something, something like that, lines.
1: yeah.
2: Well, it's, it's one of the most impro- impoverished trailer parks in Orlando. And you go there and it's, it's like a third world country. I remember vividly the, the property manager. He manages the, the 25 or 26 some odd trailers that are there. You would think that he would live in the best trailer and in the, in, in the best home there because he manages everything. This man lives in the, what looks like a shack, like that was abandoned a long time ago. And not only does he live there, but he lives there with his wife and his six or seven grandchildren. You know, you see something like that. It doesn't matter if you don't know what to do. You, you, you buy food, you, you donate money, you know. It's it's like that phenomenon where I, I, I want to make a change. I want to help somebody. But when the homeless person walks by my window, when I'm at a traffic light, all of a sudden I'm, I'm te- I'm pretending to text or I'm pretending to look in my glove compartment or in, in my center console, or I'm just, I happen to be looking this way when I know that he's over there. You know, we, sometimes things are painful. Right. And it, and it hurts to see certain people's living conditions and it, it hurts to to recognize what's happening to our children in this world, you know? It's painful to know that that child trafficking is 152, human trafficking, $152 billion a year industry, and it's happening right in front of us, it's painful. I got scolded while I was speaking to, shocker, <laughs> I was speaking to a, a senator's office, or was he a senator, Mel? It was
1: a yeah, uh, congressman.
2: Congressman. Can I say his name? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. I was speaking to a yeah, certain congressman's, um, congressman's office. And I got scolded because I shared my particular story. My battle with mental health since I was a child. Every label I was given, ADD, ADHD, dyslexic, um, socially anxious, being epileptic, these are all labels I was given, and then being sexually abused by men and by women as a child. I told this story, right, because we connect via stories. Well, UNICEF attempted to silence me, and the congressman, uh, his office, we got into a bit of a 12-round of a fight, right, and At the end of the day, just knowing that people like that are in office, people who are willing to disrespect not just the struggle of of the individual, right, me, but are willing to hear a bunch of individuals say, we need your help, we need your support, because there are girls right now in Africa being raped on the way to get water that us in America wouldn't let our dogs drink. We need your help and for that office to turn around and say you know what we don't support that because we need to be helping kids in our borders because you know white children are more white children are more special and more worthy of protect than those black children in africa knowing that people like that exist should light a fire in everybody in the way that they vote and in the compassion that they're willing to have when they look at children. And when they look at that homeless man down the street, okay. you know, I think so hold on compassion- a hold on a
0: we're shooting on people a whole lot. Yeah. Right. So it should do this and it should do that. I get that, but there's a huge population of people who can't see in front of their own shoes because their own shoes are holy, their own shoes, are tattered and worn because Mm -hmm. they're working two and three jobs and they don't have time to think of anything other than trying to survive. Right? So I get that we're shooting on what people should be doing. I think most people, most people these days are in a heightened state of fight or flight, their nervous system is completely out of whack and not working properly. We're reactive instead of responsive. So we react to triggers versus respond to events and truth and fact. Right? So all of these shoulds that we're shooting on people, right? What is it that is gonna take us to actually care about us, right, next door? So we have the world sucks chart, right? The world sucks chart looks like this. It's me as an individual, right? And then my family, and then my, the my community, and then my county, and then my state, and then my country, and then my you know continent, yeah. right? So the, the world sucks chart because most people are stuck in the individual, maybe individual family. In order to get to the world view, where they're literally able to take that bigger picture view, you've got to go through individual trauma and pain and sickness and illness then family pain and sickness and illness then you got to go through city you know pain and you know illness i mean the pain and illness may be the roads it may be the the fraud and the politics it may be any kind of thing right but we got to go through these layers in order to get to the world view for most people just jumping to that worldview is almost impossible. So, so let's, let's drop I, it back. Yeah, absolutely. Let's drop, drop I, it, drop back and step-by-step step it.
1: Right. So I'm going to start with a question for anybody who's, who's listening, watching, you know, this interview, what is the value of a human life, whether it's yours, whether it's your child, whether it's your parents, whether it's your neighborhood starts with that one question, because you're right. It starts with, it, it all starts with us we're not expecting people to jump on a global scale here. I'm asking you um, what Mark had alluded to. Are you sensitive to the human suffering that when you see that homeless person on the side corner, what's the first thing that comes into mind, judgment? Because that's what we've been hearing a lot. Oh, that person's not really a homeless. They're getting, they're pretending to be rich and, you know, they're pretending to be poor, but they actually use this money for something else. Or the labels that we give them, they're alcoholics. They're going to use that money for drugs. Literally, I mean, human nature is to automatically judge the situation. Let me pull it back with saying what Mark said, compassion.
2: Compassion over condemnation.
1: Right. What if we change that perspective and story? could you literally start, you know, uh, spare 50 cents or a dollar, or just even ask for their name. Mark does something beautifully that I haven't seen in the humanitarian space a lot, which is as simple as an act of kindness that when we're doing our, our, our humanitarian impact is to ask for that person's name that we're serving. What's their story? You know, a lot of this homeless folks in the Orlando area, surprisingly, are what veterans People who served our own country. They're in, most of the time, they're not even looking for, for the dollar or 50. It's really interesting. Sometimes they just want to be listened to. And the, the act of compassion is free. So I'm going to scale it back to start with that. So you, you pointed out a really good um, uh, picture there, Ari. We live in a world that is reactive versus proactive. We live in a world that are judgmental versus compassion so if we look at this behavioral modification of just retelling it from a different focus what if you were that person in that person's shoes right now wouldn't you want somebody kind to at least lend a lend an ear or maybe five minutes of your time it starts with that you know and it's free it's really free (laughs) when you look at it
0: cool thank you
1: you're welcome
0: bringing it back down. I just, like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not, um, I don't want to shame people because mm-hmm. frankly, like people have been told their entire lives, right? Let, let's go to weight. They've been told their entire lives that they're fat because mm-hmm. of their particular habits, yeah. their particular kind of eating, their particular way. Most of those people were never told that eating a low-fat, high-carb diet was going to make them more fat right? They weren't told, they were told the opposite. And so I think most Mm -hmm. people, they're not at fault. They're Mm -hmm. not at fault for the chemicals that have been put into their food, right? They're not at fault for the policies that have allowed poison to come into play, right? They're not like Nestle having a contract with the state of California to take out the water for like 70 cents, uh, like per million gallons since the 1970s. And having that negotiation never, you know, be renewed mm-hmm. and letting Nestle take that water allowed the fires, the the droughts, the temperature changes, the, the amount of water not in that state is directly because of bottling, right? We can kind of target these things. We know this, yet the people are being told that they're responsible, that they need to make the changes. I think that the changes need to come from the people to the politicians, right? So the politicians, but how do they even know? How how does, how does Joe Schmo, like, look, I I was at a Walmart and I asked for the grass-fed meat and the guy in the butcher department didn't even know what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. He didn't know what grass-fed meat meant. so it we think the people who think that we know and that who study this stuff who know all kinds of information about it right we think that everybody should know the same information we know but most people haven't a clue about proper nutrition about proper health about proper you know weight not even most doctors know about how to create a lifestyle of health and so we stop blaming. I stop, So I stop blaming. I get, let people off the hook. It's not your fault. Now, now that you know that, right, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> mm-hmm. But at first it's, it's not your fault. You have been deceived, mm-hmm. right? So for people who are wanting to change the world, right? And step up and step out of that comfort zone. What do they, what do you think that they need mentally to get to the point where where they could even think about something outside of I'm surviving?
1: So I'll start with with a couple and then I'll turn it over to my trusted co-everything here. It starts with what is truth? Not my version of truth or your version of truth. What is true at this given moment? Right. It starts with that education, just like you said, the butcher didn't even know what what grass fed cow is, but we assume he should know because that's his part of his profession as a butcher. But they don't. Right. So what is true? What is true in that picture is there's a disconnect about our assumption, our expectation and their learning. Right. Number two, did we judge them that they should know this? You know, you were talking about the shoots, shoots that you were throwing. So the second question is, is asking that question, why don't you know this? Then you're going to discover this, this whole mountain of, well, we're no longer trained. We just, we just expect people to read labels, right? Unlike the, the butchers in the olden days. So what is true in the current situation? Let's start with that. Suspending all judgments, right? Suspending all the expectations. What is true? Not my truth, not Ari's truth, not Mark's truth, but the, the factual statement at the moment, right? Um, because, like you said, we, we saw those protests, we saw the marches, we saw the, the everything, every, the whole world was watching everything that was happening last year. But yet there were the silent people in action that are moving. You gave birth, for uh, lack of a better term, Ari, to a podcast that wanted to highlight the people that are making a difference of changing the world for better tomorrow. Right. That came out of a desire to make a difference for yourself. Right, and find like-minded people that are doing these very things that that we're talking about right now, instead of complaining about those things. That's a start, right? Wouldn't it be beautiful if people actually had a gathering of should solutions-driven thinking versus complaining?
0: Uh, that's what I've been developing is right? solution summit.
1: so imagine, imagine if it starts with two people. Because that's what started with myself and Mark, and then it just grew in teams. But it has to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So why not start with yourself and just grab one person right. and then ignite that fire?
0: Here's the thing. I have an entrepreneur spirit. Mm-hmm. I, have, I am absolutely not risk adverse. Risk is like my life, right? I, I don't remember a time in my life where I've felt safe. I've mm-hmm. felt comfortable. I've felt, you know, any of those things settled that most people feel in life. Okay, so I recognize my personality, I'm not gonna settle for anything ever, ever, I can't, I don't know how it's not in my DNA. Most that is not most people. And so I recognize that in me, I am this type of person who will not ever settle, who will not ever see the world as something that's done, something that's finished, something that doesn't need fixing, or doesn't need optimizing, I've actually taken the judgments out, I go, Mm -hmm. is that system optimized? Or is it sub optimized? If it's sub optimized, how can we optimize it and make it more optimum? Right? Mm -hmm. Take out the judgments completely. But I recognize that about my personality. I don't know your personality. I don't know your personality, right? I would imagine that the fact that you've done what you've done means that you have a fair amount of risk, you know, to to safety ratio where you prefer a little bit more risk than safety, right? Because it is very risky to do what you're doing. And for you to go off and do that is takes it requires a certain personality type. So here's my thing for the people who are not that personality, who do not have an entrepreneur spirit, who are born to be in the assembly line. They're trained from birth to be this cog in the assembly line. I do this, it goes down the line, the other person does that, right? The mm-hmm. other person does this, and then that whole product is done, but I'm not the master, I'm not the guy who's gonna cobble that shoe and turn, make every single piece of it perfect. Got it? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like. There's personality type for mastery and there's a personality type for an assembly line. Mm -hmm. So the question becomes, how do we get the entrepreneurs who are moving things forward instead of the 1% that tends to keep things stalled, right? How do we get the people who are moving things forward to then activate the assembly line, to create the assembly of what we what needs to happen. We have the visionaries, I get it. You're a visionary, you're a visionary, Mark. You're a visionary, Melody. I get that. So how do you move the people who are not visionaries into your way of being, thinking, or at least acting?
1: Mark, you go first. Uh,
2: that's, a, that's a really, really good question. I really, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, when when you're looking at like you said the the visionary and 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 the assembly line <clears throat> i think that self awareness is a a priceless gift a lot of people who should be in the assembly line want to be leaders want to be leading the pack and that's going to that's going to cause chaos and calamity on its best day and a lot of people that should be leading the pack have allowed themselves to be convinced by their own volition or by other people that they belong in the assembly line so i think there's something to be said about knowing who you are and honoring that truth honoring the truth of that and and being where you belong you know are you have gifts and and talents that i could never dream of having so it is mel and vice versa so i think that that it's critically important For because everything starts at leadership, everything starts at leadership, just like um, with families, how well your family does is a product of the leadership in the household. So, I think that there's an expression that I love that the majority of people are going to defer to the highest resonance in the room, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: right? So, it's critically important that we bring in compassion and selflessness to leaders, which is difficult right? Because we live in a world that glorifies selfishness. And if leadership at the top is, is entirely self-focused and and self-involved, we're not going to really get anywhere because you're not doing your job as a leader. At the end of the day, leaders are supposed to produce a result. Absolutely. But it's your job to inspire and to teach. And based on 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 what your goals are and based on what drives you what makes you get up out of the bed is it is it for you to leave a legacy is it for you to become rich and well known powerful is it for you to make sure that you know one homeless person was seen that day and felt heard i think flipping that script and 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 flipping that switch from self focused to to just compassionate and and not self sacrificing in a in a negative way but like we said, being willing to do for others what the vast majority of people aren't willing to do. And, and I mean, there's only so many ways I can say compassion, 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 right. stop, you know, stop being selfish compassion. Right, so, um,
0: so where does the whole concept of, you know, put the mask on your face before you put it on your kid's face come in?
2: well you it it starts with the self you know you have to make sure that we we talked about about self awareness but you need to figure out what's wrong with you first if if you are a leader and you want to make a positive impact you need to figure out what your shortcomings are you need to deal with your own trauma you need to open those doors that you worked tirelessly to bolt shut you know you can't You can't have compassion for other people if you are holding yourself to an immeasurable standard and you're constantly criticizing and and condemning. And it's almost like like penance if you've seen that movie uh with Tom Hanks. What's that movie um uh the the prequel to Angels and Demons, the Da Vinci Code. There's there's this. Remember the guy that was constantly whipping himself.
0: Oh yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: You know leaders do that to themselves all the time. You know, if, if you're constantly in a state of war with yourself or whatever the case, you're not going to be in a state of peace or compassion with other people. So that whole concept of putting your mask on first, I do believe that you can only help and bless other people to the capacity that you're, you're able to do it for yourself. But once you've got yourself figured out, evolution right dictates that we don't just stay there because if we just stay there in the self, we, we've become stagnant. And ultimately, you know how how much of this mental health crisis is just a product of i'm going to say inadvertent narcissism. it's just a product of inadvertent focus you know when when you are this there's eight billion people, well seven point nine something, but there's almost eight billion people on the planet. It's a big world, and if everything just revolves around us we're a we're a pretty insignificant presence when compared to Everything and everybody, even when compared to those people at a town hall meeting, you know. So I think that once you've got the self figured out, once you've, you've brought in compassion and understanding and a little bit of grace, it's only natural to extend it outward. How far is up to your discretion? Right. It can stay within your family, your community.
0: So NLP ban, how does somebody start the process of figuring out who they are when they've never even heard that concept of i I, got, I know who i am i like to drink my beer i like to watch my tv my football i know who i am i know who i am i i like to st- i like to study and read books and you know i know who i am
2: i like how the, the voice change for those two individuals
0: <laughs> you know, we have stereotypes right we have stereotypes what yeah. are the stereotypes stereotypes are simple you don't want somebody who's you know as your neurosurgeon cutting in your head saying now here's what we got to do we got to cut your head <laughs> right open right there okay you don't want that you may you may want that tremendously it might be an awesome thing but you'd rather say you know here's what we've got to do we're going to cut a hole in your head and we're going to put the, a cord a light yeah universal knowledge you know you want to hear <laughs> it's totally different we have stereotypes most of them for a reason, which is kind of odd, but the, the stereotype that I'm putting out here is most people don't know what they don't know. Yeah, They don't know themselves because they, no, nobody's ever told them to investigate themselves. Mm-hmm. Nobody even says, what do you want to be when you grow up anymore? It's more like, how do you want to make money? Mm-hmm. You know? So that's the question, you know, we're, we're, we want to help people activate their vision for a better world. We want to help create a new tomorrow today. People need to have skills and tools to do that, right? Yeah, So we already know, like if they wanted to get part, be part of global peace. Let's talk. They could contact you, but they may not know that they could do that here or here. Mm-hmm. Right, you may have told them that, but they may not felt like that was an invitation for them. So, how do you get them to feel like this is an invitation for you? NLP might do that, but you know, let's let's kind of talk a little bit about that. How does one feel like the invitation is for them to start moving and start doing and start feeling? And
2: I'm gonna let you take that away, Mom. I wanna I wanna see what Steve Marboli
1: would. (laughs) Like um, let me take a, a a step back here, Ari. Prior to my entrepreneurship adventure of roller coaster of what the heck am I doing? Right, and the three of us can can relate to that. I was in corporate management for two decades. Now I'm very familiar Since with you this.
0: That's Huh? <laughs> Since you were two years old.
1: No, two. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. But yes, (laughs) I wasn't sure if this is an audio or video or both type of podcast, but but I get that all the time. Yeah, since I was two years old, for the sake of your listeners. (laughs) But but basically, um, you know, and I have a lot of those people that were just following that you you give them a duty, check, you know, and, and they're happy. They're happy with that. They're content. But this is the truth that everybody comes through. What they do with it is a whole different matter. There's one question that ultimately shows up. I've seen this in annual reviews, performance reviews, because, I mean, a lot of these people are like, oh, am I going to get a raise this year for the 12 months that I've done my checkbox? Right. And, And then it sucks, completely sucks when you're being rated from one to five, you fall on the average. Right. Eventually, that's what led me out into this adventurous world. But here's the one question that's always showing up. There has to be more to life than this. to be. That's why even in assembly lines, they look for promotions. They look for those merit badges. There's a competition, sense of competition that happens within a corporate life so we can make people feel valued. That's the word, what is your value, right? People want to be contributors even in, in assembly lines. If not, then people will be happy with minimum wages and not want to have goals or any of that in life. But again, it's that label of you're an assembly line. Well, if you've drawn that enough, that's how they're exactly going to perform. But if we start with, there has to be more to life than this. You weren't born to live in a box. Tony Robbins says this. You weren't born to live in a box, to drive a box, to work in a box, to type in a box, to drive back in a box. Sit in a box turn on a box and then go to sleep still watching a box it's not a box life, but somehow people have decided they were going to put you inside the box. Right, but yet, even in assembly lines there's hierarchy there's promotion because people want to constantly prove to others they're better than when they started or how they started. So think about that. What is the value of human life? There has to be more to life than that. So if we were to bridge out all the learnings in the last hour that we've been talking, right? Whether it be NLP, PNA, in in my case, in Mark's case, we say G-O-D, right? In the middle of, of everything that we handle. And Ari, with your learnings, we don't start to remain stagnant. So even those people that are watching television shows, somewhere in their history line, I love asking that question. What is the deepest adversity that became a catalyst to your purpose? What is the deepest adversity that became a catalyst to your purpose?
0: So you yes, that we... of normal people sitting on the couch, watching TV.
1: Absolutely. And you know what the and quality. What are
0: that coming out of your mouth?
1: Yeah, the, the quality of your questions determines the response and the focus that conversation is going to have. See, people that you, you pointed at, people that comes together in, in a crowd to complain. Someone was leading that complaint, someone festered that complaint, and someone ended it with a complaint. But what if you're that one person, regardless if you're just a clerical startup, you know, I don't even know what the, the minimum wage is at this point, and just ask that quality question. Mm-hmm. What can you do to make a difference in this world? What is the deepest adversity that became a catalyst to your purpose? Do you even know what your purpose is? Or even as simple as this: What did you want to be when you grew up, when you were a child? Because somehow along the way, we all wanted to be some kind of doctor, superhero, actor, something, right? It starts as simple as that. It's a fun question. So I'm going to ask you that. For example, Carrie, when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? Veterinarian. Okay, and how how did why did you want to be a veterinarian?
0: Loved animals liked medicine. I had a friend whose dad was a veterinarian. So I spent uh, like my ninth grade or ninth year in life this summer, uh, working for the veterinarian and uh, helping with surgeries and stuff and doing all the things that a veterinarian assistant would do. But that was why.
1: So what was the fondest memory of you doing that job?
0: Mm, I'm not sure I had a fond memory of it. It was okay. pretty, uh, gruesome to watch, but, <laughs> you know, um, I so just enjoyed did... doing, I enjoyed doing stuff, you know, I, I always wanted to be doing things that mm-hmm. were, um, productive. My parents mm-hmm. though, see, my parents had Amway in the garage. Mm-hmm. So they had boxes of Amway. LOC, sweet shot, masks, you know, we had all that stuff. So for me, I grew up with entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. entrepreneur parents. Every, everything was, was what hustle can we try to get? And so that's how I was, that's how I perceive everything in, in my life. I was also a martial artist, gymnast, baseball player. I, I mean, I, I did a lot of sports, uh, long distance cycling, Um, And so I was always very active and very um, using my own creative energy. I also wasn't a fan of people very much. Most people didn't like me. Um, I had been raped and molested and I was, you know, basically treated like uh, uh, because I was Jewish, I was treated like I killed Jesus personally. Mm -hmm. And so um, therefore I shouldn't be alive. I mean, you know, there, there's, my history is is very specific to the person that i've become yeah right i i i wouldn't wish my experiences on anybody and i know that those experiences were uniquely directed at me (laughs) Yeah. so that i could be who i am um but that is a lot of self-awareness that comes from I went to Est when I was eight, I did Lifespring and Landmark and The Forum and PsyWorld and CEO Space and IBI. I mean, I've been in the world of self-development alongside being in the world of being traumatized my entire life. So it's like side by side, went hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And so I, I assume nothing when it comes to other people and how they grew up and what their thinking is, I assume nothing. I only can ask questions mm-hmm. because the truth is, is that no matter how much I think I know what's in somebody else's head, mm-hmm. I never have and I never will because most people don't even know what's in their own heads.
1: But do you see what, what just happened here? I would not have discovered that unless I asked you those questions. And here's the truth the truth of the matter here. Yes. You know, stories tie humanity together, but so does adversity and suffering because none of us is spared from that as we go through life. It comes in different forms. You and Mark were very transparent with your abuses, you know, that that came painfully. and, and And the reasons why you're both advocates in different forms is because of those traumas. You went through personal development because you were trying to heal and find answers from those traumas. And I can almost bet you with accuracy, everybody that you come across, whether it's the guy that's watching TV, because that's what brings him joy at the moment, right? At the moment has gone through some deep suffering themselves because that is unfortunately the one thing we can't avoid in life from childhood to adulthood. But there's also this humanity humanity that is, you know, there's there's a part of humanity that is true regardless of what background you come from, is the desire to be good, the desire to be accepted, the desire to be loved. That is something that this desire to be needed and desire to be part of something beautiful. You I can just want to know
0: about, how you know that that's part of everybody's belief because I've met people that, mm-hmm. that isn't even close to what they believe.
1: It's not so much as the belief; It's a call how you deliver that question it starts something happens in their childhood
0: i I understand that i'll I'll give you an example i used to do Mm -hmm. uh we used to do sweat lodges in the prison system in california Mm -hmm. so we'd go into california youth authority with a bunch of gangs um people who thought that they were really tough and we'd get them into a sweat lodge you know native ceremony and what we consider the stones the grandpa the grandfathers the ancestors You know gangbanger might think that they're tough they're Mm -hmm. not tougher than a hundred something degree temperature sitting you know in a womb dark with some stones sweating their pants off right and so Mm -hmm. we could cleanse out and shift behavior right from that Mm -hmm. and i had somebody who had come to once they had gotten out of prison had come to the sweat lodges and said one night you saved somebody's life tonight Mm -hmm. And we, what are are you talking about? I was about to go retaliate and kill somebody and I came here instead, Mm -hmm. right? So that's somebody being, in my opinion, having that, that belief like you were talking about. There's other people who are in that system. Not only would they never have even thought about it, they would never have considered not killing that person it wouldn't have even been a thought in their head maybe I shouldn't do this right so here's the thing yes the history of that person is going to be directly involved in Mm -hmm. where they're at now Mm -hmm. and I don't believe in evil I believe in optimum and suboptimum right so Mm -hmm their state of affairs that they're in is suboptimal mental state, Mm -hmm. right? In order to get that person to a cleaner mental state, would take probably a massive act of tools, a massive act of tools, concentrated act of tools. But I've never seen that person or those people who have who are in that position in the moment calm themselves enough to be in a place where you're where, where you're talking about them being yeah well it's
1: not yeah it's not in that moment but sometimes one question would ignite that spark as simple as what happened what happened to you or what happened opens up a doorway of discoveries, right? Should they choose to stay there, that's that's their choice. I'm not trying to save that person when there's nations waiting for us to step up. But here's what's true. Every day we delay, more people suffer. Every day that we decide to not do something about, there's another crowd rising that complains about, well, I, I don't wanna be on the second or the latter crowd. The three of us certainly don't. That's why we're having this conversation this afternoon. Yes. Right? So it, it's just something as simple as it goes back to that, what happened, the simple questions. It goes back to the word that Mark said, compassion. It goes back to you, the Ari, the audacity to say what is true, uncensored. Yeah. Right? Whether you be in an assembly line, whether you be a CEO or a high-risk entrepreneur, find out what is that link that connects to that the ability to, or desire to want to do something. I am not going to condemn you if you're the person that decides, no, my happiness is watching that box because I've done my time, right? It's very interesting then, what I can I learn from you during the time that you were doing that time so that I can gain wisdoms or lessons under the two, but I'm going to gain something from somebody all the time. What I do with that, that's my choice and prerogative. Mm. <laughs> Mark, he, he ends this with a grunt mm.
2: <laughs> I, I had to drop that that low baritone you know you're in my opinion anyway uh for whatever it's worth you're you're absolutely correct in that regard we you know we're students and teachers at the end of the day but Part of having that compassion awakened inside of you is it's just that, you know, not judging and not condemning because you don't know. There's an expression that I I absolutely love, which says, if you were to spend 10 minutes alone with your greatest enemy, you'd realize that you have way more in common with them than you thought. Because as, as different as we all are, there are certain intrinsic, inherent needs that we all have. You know, as different as we all are in in the multitude of ways, we all we all cry when we're sad. We all, you know, bunch up our fists and, and do that when we get upset. We we laugh when we're happy and 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 we have people that we love and we have we we want to love and be loved. We're, we're, you know, despite how how incongruent our actions might be at the moment, you know, everything is for the pursuit of that. Now our vehicles might be different, but the, the intention is, is that. And I think that part of leading with compassion is again, asking those questions is, is learning to recognize suffering where it's apparent and it's not being, it's not being addressed, but also suffering where it's silent and it's being cleverly disguised, you know, with a smile or with jokes and, and, and with an eccentric personality like like Robin Williams. And at the end of the day, it's, Learning to ask those penetrating questions because it's in that moment, right, where, where you have the, the gift of allowing somebody the opportunity to contemplate themselves, their situation, and, in, and, and their life in a manner that completely goes against what they were taught and what they experienced growing up. And it's in, in that little moment, and it's in that little spark where healing can take place. Now, will it take place? that's that's up to the that's up to the person but you create those pockets of opportunity for goodness to flow. right
0: creating the space creating the space so i i admit i've been playing devil's advocate a bunch um Mm -hmm. today because i like to (laughs) i like to to But uh (laughs) you know i i have a buddy who is a compassionate communications guy Mm -hmm. and um He actually went to prison at some point in his life and ended up having to really utilize those compassionate communication skills um, and ended up basically being like the prison counselor for, Mm -hmm. you know, the time that he was in. I mean. (laughs) Talking about rubber meeting the road, huh? Yeah, exactly. He had to put those skills to test the NLP, the compassionate communication, the nonviolent communication, all of that together in, in one you know and he had a lot of people who had thanked him because they were about to do something right mm-hmm. and so i just i want to say i am a i'm a devil's advocate because there are people who have never heard of things before mm-hmm. they're experiencing everything new you know in the world of self-help they may have been in, in a box of religion they may have been in a box of of um you know belief at a box of monetary, you know, constriction, whatever that is. And so I I play that devil's advocate, because I want to draw out the juice from you guys, you know, so that the people who are not used to that way of thinking, this is what I call critical thinking, common sense, but it's minutiae thinking, It's, it's the deep down little pieces of information, that make the biggest bits of difference and to your point you know silence is a bully's best friend that's that's a saying that i've had for a long time so it's time to get loud Um, that's for the systems that we find ourselves under you know these systems that are constrictive and um and really just optimized they're sub-optimized so badly that they are almost broken like healthcare system the results i mean if you just look at results right and so within that system to me there's a simple solution and that simple solution is a one word solution that changes everything and i think that it fits for all things it's the incentive and the incentives that we give that one word. So let's say we took the incentives in healthcare, and we changed it from doing procedures. Like you don't get paid anymore for doing more stuff. You only get paid for the result. Hmm. So the more people that become healthy, the more money you get paid. At the end of the day, the people who are gonna be getting paid the most are gonna be doing the least amount of work because they're gonna have people healthy. So they're, You know, you get 10 people to quit smoking, cool, you get a bonus, right? So we incentivize differently. So if we change the incentives from results or to results from procedures, right? The entire system has to reorganize itself in order to fit in with that incentive, right? So if the incentives are the answer to say to that, Let's look at the incentives to what global peace. Let's talk now is doing, let's look at the incentives, you know, for that so that people can kind of get, here's the incentive for us to do this.
2: Anybody, anybody, (laughs) I I can, I completely agree. Um, But that's, that's uh those are those brilliant little practical psychology tools that we need more of in, in, in every area of life. Um, I think it, so much of life, right, revolves around these two words, leverage and incentive. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you've got those two things, game changes.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, so you, you were asking a question, Ari, of what are the incentives to be joining Global Peace Let's Talk for an example. Right? Oh, the incentive, kind of like- what,
0: are, what is it that you're doing, the incentive to do what you're doing? So well, what is what is the incentives for you as a company? Like all right. what, is, so,
1: what is it? You get? So here's 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 one thing that I will champion for myself. Because the ba- the company or the organization or nonprofit, I should say, NGO, is such at a baby stage with massive explosive growth. I have the privilege of putting the right structures, policies, and processes that actually impacts humanity at a scale that helps end suffering. Not all of it, but most of it. Now, a personal incentive for me is that I, I do have two sons, I mentioned this to you before, is that at least they know that one day when I'm just a fleeting memory, their mom did something to make the world that they live in a better place for them. I hope that there's a kind soul, another one of me out there, that can share the same compassion to my kids long after I'm gone or their kids at that point, right? Because it becomes a generational blessing, for lack of a better term, a generational move forward, a generational element at this point. You know, I I have a lot of accolades. Mark is very well aware of this. One of them was the biggest one last year, which is the TOPA award, which basically recognizes one of the top 10 out of 4.1 million Filipino Americans living in the United States. I was one of those top 10, right? Out of 4.1 million. Outside that, they did a decade tribute, which is to be the top 100 out of, gosh, millions of of Filipino Americans between the Philippines and the USA. I was there with massive names. Uh, Bruno Mars and the co-founder of Snapchat, you know, politicians, you name it, have reached that without looking for accolades along the way. That's a legacy that I leave with my children, right? It's better than saying, oh, I'm on the best, you know, I'm on the Amazon bestseller, which is literally algorithms that you can manipulate. Let's let's face the truth on this things, right? Right. But to have attained that level, so I can leave it to them and say, I had the audacity to defy what everybody else said was impossible. That is my incentive, Mm -hmm. so that I can teach them the values that you are not the labels people will give you, what the, you know, environment, culture, religion, expectations, you name it, because that's something your mom had to overcome herself. Right, let me show you the tools that you are not the labels that people have given you or expectations, and that the value of who you are is found more than the dollar amount that may be in your bank account, in the future or even in the present. Because by starting with those, those those very critical values that are So not being taught now, Ari, whether it's in the educational system or the home front are the very values that's needed to your point to live, you know, to change the world. So so that's the incentive for me with anything that has to do internally, personally with my, you you know, with me, but more so having the platform that Mark and I does and actually doing this on a global scale. A simple little thing like, hey, how can I help Starts the, the whole ball process, really. How can be a part of this.
0: Cool beans. Thank you. And Mark?
2: I think that, you know, I, I haven't been blessed with children as of yet. So I can't say that I want to leave a legacy for, for my children. But what I can say is that for every child who was ever negatively labeled, who was ever sexually abused, who was ever told that they would never amount to anything, whoever found themselves moments away from taking their own life, who in in, in every capacity was told that they were not worth it and that they were less than. My incentive is that my journey can serve as a legacy of what is possible and how whatever it is that you believe in has the power to turn a travesty into a beautiful testimony. You know, my, my greatest incentive at at the end of the day, and I'm I'm like you, I'm not religious either. I haven't mentioned any religion, but my greatest source of joy and inspiration and and my, my greatest hope Is that at the end of my life, my creator can look at me and said, You did good. You did everything I asked you to. You know, I want to leave this earth with not a single bit of compassion in me, not a single bit of love, not a single bit of, of wisdom, and not a single bit of, of caring, because I left it all on the table. I left it all on the table, and hopefully, hopefully, somebody learned from my from my life, and took those tools and took those experiences, and was able to replicate it, and make somebody else's life better. That's my incentive.
1: And I'm going to round it with this, Ari, uh, because Mark and I resonate with this quote: whether you're you believe in God or not, right, uh, religion or not, or whatever you want to call this. But there's a quote that I fell in love with many, many years ago that I live by. And this is not in the Bible. That's that's a whole different conversation we can go on for three hours. But it's by Emma Bombeck that literally rounds up what Mark said beautifully that goes, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I would not have a bit of single talent left and could say, I used everything you gave me.
0: Awesome sauce. Thank you guys so much for being here. We'll have having us. Yeah, we'll have uh, links and things in the description when we air the show, so it'll all be down there, <laughs> or over there, or over there, whichever whichever way it goes. Awesome. This mm-hmm. is everywhere. Awesomeness is everywhere. <laughs> and uh, so, thank you so much for being here. And remember, everybody, we're creating a new tomorrow today. We're mm-hmm. activating our vision for a better world now. What can you do? Won't cost you a dime today, tomorrow, the next day to create a new tomorrow for yourself today. Thanks for coming.